the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We got 300,000 before they conquered us. They died of southern fever and southern steel and shot. I wish they were three million instead of what we got. I can't take up my musket and fight them now no more. But I'm on. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're coming at you on AM860, The Answer. FM 93.7, we're on Facebook, and I don't know if we've figured out how to get onto any other social media yet, Ken, but we're working on it. One at a time, Doc, one at a time. <clears throat> one at a time. I've got the studio set up the way I want, and I'm looking pretty. I, oh God, I didn't know I was so pretty. <laughs> and uh, so, at any rate, the, we had a little Hoyt accident. He was uh, lamenting that the Civil War, he didn't get more. The South didn't kill more Northerners. By the way, you know that more... Northerners died in the Civil War than have died from the COVID, vac- uh, COVID virus. Did you know that? I did not know that, no. And did you know that the kill ratio for every Southerner that died, three Northerners died? I didn't know that either. Better shots than Southerners were better shots, I guess. Yeah. Better shots, yeah. and they weren't, they weren't used to all of our Southern uh, illnesses back then. You know, mm. they didn't have vaccinations and all that that we have. So they, they caught uh, different bacteria and viruses that were endemic in the south and everybody had built up some immunity to and as well you know the camps were just cesspools so there was if somebody got cholera everybody got cholera if somebody got a a, you know a viral bacterial or whatever diarrhea syndrome then everybody in the camp got it so they lost a lot of people to illness in the civil war Six hundred thousand dead a total i believe yep somewhere around there yeah yeah yeah, it was somewhere around there, and the kill ratio was uh, three to one. So they're mostly Northerners, mostly Northerners. Well, so we we have to stop and think about that. You know, if we're going to talk revolution, uh, we have to think about the consequences of that and whether it's winnable. Did you see where the uh, head of the Texas Republican Party openly said we should consider uh, banning together the Republican states and forming a, a federation? Of course, that was quickly condemned by many people, including one Republican uh, congressman from Illinois who said, we already settled that in the 1860s. But over 100 Republican congressmen (laughs) said they were all for it. Well. (laughs) Who knows, you know, who knows. And after 9-11, Ken, I said, I turned to Rich, one of the guys in the lunchroom, one of the doctors, and I said, Rich, we're headed for a civil war. This was in 2001. And he said, are you sure? And I said, I don't know. About a year later, he said, Bill, I think you're right. I think we're so divided, we're going to end up in a civil war. And, well, that would uh, be sad. I hate to see that, but, you know. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I, I hope that we can figure out how to work it out. <clears throat> and I hope that uh, that the left understands that they may be willing to fight at the ballot box, but are they really willing to to put their life on the line for their belief, you know. Mm. We'll see. We, I, we, I don't 
we got all the guns. So, well, yeah, but uh, it's going to depend. If we do have a civil war, it's going to depend on how the military shakes out. You know, what, True. which way will the military go? Because that's where all the big assets are. No. And you know, civil wars are not fought uh, over things that we traditionally think of. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different reasons that civil wars are fought. Causes, uh, according to some of the political scientists, uh, of course, extreme poverty will always breed uh, resentment. And I think that part of the problem here, Ken, is that the left has convinced so many people that we have extreme poverty in the United States that they really believe it. Of course, we don't. Uh, you know, we're so affluent, it's, it's, it's almost disgusting. What's extreme to us is not really extreme. No, no. Not even no. close, if you look around I mean, every, the world. yeah. Everybody's got a cell phone and a TV and a car, and you know, there's plenty of food around. And the only people that are starving are the bums on the street and those who are abused and neglected. And... Uh, and they so, can get help. I mean, there's places there for them if they, if they want to. There's help. Yeah. I mean, abuse, uh, that's, that's a societal problem, obviously. We have to protect our, our children and our elderly if they're being abused. <clears throat> but So at any rate, countries with a gross domestic product of less than 6500 per person, that was several years ago, so it's probably up to about ten or 12000 a person. And we're at, what, 30000 something like that? Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. Political instability in new or failing states. Uh, uh, we're not new. I don't think we're failing. I think that maybe some of the states within our country are having some hard times. Uh, rough terrain enabling rebels to hide easily. And that was one of the assets that the South had in the Civil War was was the terrain and, and being on home ground for the most part and knowing how to fight a defensive war. Large populations, we've got that. And external financing, and we've got that. We don't have it perhaps directly, but we have it indirectly. The communists or Chinese are funding the Democrats. We know that. Uh, that that's, that's a given. So they have funding in that respect. I don't think we have any. I don't think the right has any external funding. Do you know of any? Not I, that I've seen. I've gotten no checks. Well, you know, somebody tried to send me some money. They did from Nigeria. From Nigeria? Yeah, yeah. No kidding. No. <laughs> I I jump right on that one, Doc. Don't let that one you get away. You won the lottery. That's oh, yes, right. Congratulations. <laughs> All you have to do is pay the taxes. So Tim, you know, send me forty thousand. <laughs> Oh, I got some breaking news, and you'll hear it first here, and I probably will get in trouble with Barb, our station manager, but uh, we gave her the monoclonal antibody, you know, that the uh, that uh, has been made that fights the the, um, the COVID virus. It attacks the, attaches itself to the spike, the S protein, uh, the little spikes on it, and then the, the uh, white blood cells come around and eat up all the viruses they can, and then Barb can go eat some more. They're... Greedy little things, those little white blood cells. They love to eat that. So, anyway, here's the story. <clears throat> Barb will probably be on the phone texting me or calling me in a minute. She called and said she wasn't feeling well and that her initial rapid COVID screen test was negative, but she's waiting for the PCR. This was on Wednesday. So, I started her on some outpatient treatment 
and uh, she was feeling better on Thursday, but her her uh, PCR test, the more definitive nasal swab test, came back positive. So we have now got at St. Pete General, at our hospital, we've got the monoclonal antibody, and the uh, the government, of course, has said it's okay, emergency use of that, and then the corporation said it's okay. Now, if you get the if if the healthcare facility gets this monoclonal antibody for free, they can't charge for it. They can charge for the the time and effort of giving it. So I I called Barb and got her set up. We had her come into the hospital. We're doing it outpatient, and it's a four-hour infusion in in the vein, and uh, then she went home. And uh, I heard from her yesterday a few times, and she sounded fine. She sounded like she was doing really great. So that's uh, another another weapon we have in our armamentarium. And as you pointed out last week, we've got the uh, we've got the vaccine coming. So. I think it was approved uh, late Thursday evening. Yeah, I, I just read a little while ago it's going to be on trucks today. They're going to be sending it out from wherever it's being stored right now. Yeah, and it's uh, so it has to be stored at like minus 90 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. <clears throat> and the reason is that the mRNA vaccine, the, the fragment of genetic material, the messenger RNA, uh, that is being used as the, uh, the stimulus for the the lymphocytes to make antibodies and the antibodies then attach themselves to the virus and then other white blood cells come around and gobble them up because they recognize them as foreign. At any rate, so this is a very uh, heat sensitive, I guess a chemical, if you want to call it that, or protein or molecule. Uh, so it has to be kept cold. Now it's going to go to a few hospitals in the state initially that have the deep freeze facilities. And I think in our area, Tampa General and Brandon Regional have those facilities. So it'll be doled out from there. Uh, it will be uh, okay to refrigerate it for four or five days after uh, you mix it up. You have to you have to thaw it out. So you take it from the freezer and you put it into the refrigerator and you let it thaw out for a few hours and then you can mix it and give the, uh, the, the dose. And so it'll be good for a few days after it is quote, quote, thawed out. And that, that's, uh, th- that's going to make it uh, much more efficient and much more distributable. Now, the governor has decreed, as in every state the governors will decree, who will get the vaccine first. And, of course, the first will be the frontline workers, those of us who are seeing the COVID patients, Ken. And so I'm at the front of the line because <clears throat> I'm older. And I saw um, Jesus, the uh, the critical care doctor that's in our ICU. We have we have two critical care doctors that are on call all the time. They stay at the hospital, and so we have uh, lower mortality rate and better outcomes because we can get to the patients more quickly. And the critical care doctors are usually pulmonary doctors who have had additional training. At any rate, he said, "Well, I'm going to get it." I said, "We." Well, Yes, you are, Asus, but age before beauty, so I'm going first, (laughs) or I'll kick your butt. (laughs) But, you know, he's up to his elbows in it because he's intubating and putting in central lines, and so... uh, Yeah, you guys should have it first. I mean, I don't think anybody's arguing with that one. No, so the doctors and nurses that are working in in front line will get it, Uh, then it'll go to the nursing home patients, 
and to the staff at the nursing homes, according to our governor, uh, what he calls the most vulnerable. And then it'll go to uh, senior citizens and those with comorbidities like diabetes and high blood pressure, lung disease, kidney disease. So hopefully next week, I will be the first at St. Pete General to get the vaccine and I'll let you know how it feels. Now, you were right last week. It is two doses on the mRNA. That's I thought it was, yeah. Yeah, well, you're smarter than I thought. What's the timing between those, though? How much how much time in between, and how critical is it that you hit that time mark on the second one? Oh, I don't think it's super critical, but it's. I think it's a month, 30, 30 to 45 days after, from what I recall reading. So uh, you should be fine. Now, the, the first dose usually doesn't cause much of a reaction. It's the second dose because you've already... St- got your little lymphocytes stimulated and then when you give them another another kick then they really start kicking out putting out the uh, inflammatory substances and making an inflammatory response so it's going to be fever chills body aches uh, headache uh, malaise and this may last one day or several days and uh, it's important though that that you have a reaction to it because that means you're making the antibodies because once your T lymphocytes, once those little white blood cells start cranking out antibodies to fight the virus, they're also cranking out uh, interferon and inflammatory uh, chemicals in the body that are used to help fight infections. And uh, some of those are helpful and some of them are not, just like any anything that's evolved with us over the millennia. <clears throat> some of the defenses that we have developed work and some no longer are of value. But at any rate, this is okay. And you can treat this with uh, anti-inflammatories like Advil or Aleve. Uh, Tylenol will relieve fever and pain, but it's not going to do anything for the inflammation. The inflammation is uh, addressed by the non-steroidals like Advil and Aleve, uh, Motrin. uh, A whole bunch of them are on the market there. So at any rate, you can use those. The uh, other thing that we can give you if you're really sick is a short burst of cortisone, a medrol dose pack or dexamethasone or whatever your doctor thinks is appropriate so that you don't have as intensive a response or it cuts down on the adverse effects from the uh, vaccine. So that's another thing that we can do. And, and so the side effects are, are uh, much more intense after the second dose. So that's what we have to expect and look forward to. And uh, I, I'm not worried about it. I think that we'll be okay. Uh, the vaccine, you should not get it if you have any allergies to any of it, uh, any of the vehicles in, in the vaccine, because the vaccine has to be preserved. So there's preservatives and different kinds of preservatives. Of course, it has to be dissolvable in, in water, so in saline or water. So you have to have uh, some other vehicles in there that will help it dissolve because, you know, not everything dissolves in waters, you know, Ken. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, well, how, so would you know if you were, how would you know if you were allergic to anything in there? Do they list the... Well, they list, the, they list what's in it. And uh, so what we will do is we will ask you, have you ever had any reaction to any, any uh, immunizations that you received? Ah, okay. So then they say, well, you know what? I got a shot of flu vaccine three years ago and uh, immediately broke out in hives. Well, that's an allergic reaction. And uh, there were people who 
or there are people who are allergic to uh, duck or, or chick eggs where we would incubate vaccines in the past. Now we're more genetically engineering them, having uh, E. coli or mice make them for us by manipulating their genetics and then uh, isolating that and purifying out just that one item that we want for the vaccination. So, but if you do have an allergy or if you've had an allergy to an immunization, let your doctor know so he or she can assess that and decide whether or not uh, you are eligible or if you're going to need to be pre-treated. If you have an allergic reaction like hives, we can pre-treat you with cortisone type medications like prednisone or dexamethasone or medrol dose pack or whatever. Now, if you have a fever, we probably don't want to give it to you. Uh, if you have a bleeding disorder or you're on a blood thinner, we need to know that because it could cause a, a, a big lump in your arm if we hit a small vessel, so we have to be a little bit more careful. Now, if you're immunocompromised or you're on medications that affect your immune system, we need to know that too because it may not take, you know, the, the immune system has to be intact enough that it will recognize the uh, the the bad agent that's in the body and make antibodies to it. The bad agent will be the messenger RNA or in the case of uh, the, uh, of the uh, Pfizer vaccine, it will be the S protein that is expressed on the cells of, on certain white blood cells that ingest that messenger RNA and make the, the little spikes. So what we're doing is we're, we're forcing one of our specialized white blood cells, Ken, to actually look like a virus because it's going to have these little spikes sticking off of it so that the T lymphocytes come along and pick them up and make antibodies to them. So we need to know if you're immunocompromised. You may need more than two doses. You may need to wait until you're off of your chemotherapy if you're going through chemotherapy. Of course, if you're undergoing some kind of a bone marrow transplant, you're not a candidate because you don't have any immune response during that time period because we basically we wipe out your immune system, your white blood cells, and and uh, replant uh, new healthy cells back into you. And that takes time for, for your bone marrow to regenerate and to start making white blood cells again. Now, if you're pregnant or plan to become pregnant, because we haven't done any real uh, phase three trials on pregnancy and the vaccine, it's probably not going to affect the baby at all, but we don't know. So we, we, we're not going to give it to pregnant women at this point or if they're breastfeeding. Or if you've already received the vaccine, we don't want to give you too much because then you'll really get sick. You'll really have a, uh, you know, a super-duper immune response, and you will not be a happy camper. So that's, that's, the, uh, that's the downside to it uh, in, in terms of who cannot get it or who should not get it. And uh, these are things that we need to ask you. Have you had an allergic reaction after a previous dose of a vaccine? like the influenza vaccine or any ingredients in, uh, in the vaccine. So if you think you might be allergic, ask the doctor to look at the vial and tell you what's in it. So you know before you take it whether or not you're allergic to it. And it's two doses. It says three weeks apart, four weeks. I'm not sure it'll make that much difference, but but uh, that that's that's the uh, mantra right now, Ken, is three weeks apart. All right. Now, this has been used. It's approximately 20,000 people in the clinical trial have had it, and so it's, it's safe and effective. And again, the, the problems that you're going to have or pain where you get the shot, just like you do with the flu, or I told you I got the, uh, 
shingles vaccine. Oh my God, I was sick for a day. My wife got it too. We both had aches and fevers and everything. But that's a good thing. Better than the shingles, yeah. Yeah, better than suffering with shingles yeah. for weeks or months. And of course, you can with any vaccine, you can have tiredness, headache, muscle pain, joint aches, fever, swelling at the injection site, uh, nausea, just a general feeling of, of not being well. And in a few cases, uh, some swollen lymph nodes. Why? Well, because the lymphocytes gather at lymph nodes. That's where they meet, you know. They're kind of like VFW posts. <laughs> <laughs> so they go there and, you know, have a beer and talk to each other and say, hey, look, I picked this up, and uh, you want to help me with this? Yeah, I'll help you with it. And so they beef up and start making more antibodies, and uh, then they all head out back to war. I don't know. Do they get busted for drunken driving in the bloodstream? I don't know. I, I don't know. There are bloodstream cops out there. I haven't seen any when I've, you know, cut you myself. Seen little <laughs> sirens, were, little lights in my bloodstream. When you yeah. nano-sized yourself yeah. and took a trip through the system. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there was a movie like that. with a fantastic voyage, I think it was. They, yes, that was They shrunk cool, these it? folks down into a, to do some surgery on somebody, I think. Yeah, some strange yeah they were doing Yeah. And you know what? Uh, that was right after the... Uh, the uh, nanobot theory came out in the late 60s. I think it was in the 60s, wasn't it? Early probably, 60s. Probably what spurred the, spurred the movie, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So the nanobots were actually guys in little itty-bitty uh, submarines floating around and fighting off disease. and <laughs> Yeah, going after blood clots with lasers. I think that's what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So don't forget to get your card to show that you've been vaccinated because if you have your card uh, then and you've received the vaccine, then you'll be uh, cleared to travel and do things that other people who haven't received the vaccine yet uh, can't do. Now, do we know yet if uh, if this is uh, how long this lasts? I mean, is it good for life? Is it uh, just I need a booster shot every couple of years? Do we have any idea on that yet? I haven't seen any literature on that. Um, I looked because you brought that up last week, Ken. But I'm, I'm sure that it'll, it'll be, uh, you know, a, a, a good while as long as it doesn't mutate. It should be several years. Mm-hmm. I would think it would be like uh, shingles or, or any of the other viral vaccines. It should last a pretty long time. Okay. But if it mutates, that's a whole other story. Then everybody's got to get shots again, I guess. Huh? Huh. Yeah, it'd be like, yeah. you know, the flu every year will have to get right. a shot because, you know, it's going to become endemic, which means that there'll be a, a small portion of the population that will always have the virus and will and will be passing it around uh, to a few people here and there. So the, the, it'll probably be with us, kind of like the flu is, until we have some new technology that completely obliterates this, this virus. Will this become part of the flu shot? Because I know the flu shot protects us against several different flus, does it not, usually? Usually we have two or three different strains, yeah, that we project are going to be in the in the population at uh, during that year. Now, the, the problem with the flu vaccine is that we, we have to kind of guess at what's coming around. So we end up being about 75% effective. Mm-hmm. We, we hit it right at about 75% of the time. We increase our odds by having several strains in, in, the, uh, in the vaccine. So uh, you're right. It, it is uh, multiple different strains of, of influenza that we immunize for. And uh, it seems to be pretty effective, you know. You play the odds. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes we have a rough flu season because of it, though. Yeah, sometimes we have a rougher season. uh, We miss it. 
uh, we're still uh, human and we're still imperfect, but we're getting better. I was on a uh, website yesterday where it's called Find Your Place in Line or something like that, where you punch in your age and your location and a couple of health questions, and they say where you are in line for the vaccine. I was behind 221 million people, Doc. (laughs) Well, you you can sneak in with me. Just get under my skirt and (laughs) we'll waddle in. (laughs) Better not get rid of my mask yet. I'm behind 221 million people. So oh I guess that's God. good. I'm healthy, so I guess that's a good thing too. Always looking at well, the positive. See, don't don't kiss anybody at the station. I never do. Okay, so good. that's not a problem. It's, it's I never around. have in any radio station <laughs> I've ever been at. I don't think so. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, listen. I uh, by the way, Barb texted me yesterday. Her son down in Miami. I won't tell you his name because he's not a public figure. But uh, he tested positive, and he was sick during the week. I started him on some outpatient therapy and told him to get one of those little oxygen saturation monitors. You know, you can buy those at the uh, drugstore. Mm-hmm. And they, they just kind of, they are like they look like a little uh, clip-on. They're a little square thing, about an inch cube. And they just go over your finger, and it'll tell you what your oxygen levels are in your blood. And I told him to monitor that, and if it dropped below a certain amount, uh, that he needed to get back in to see us and you know, get up here and get the uh, get the uh, monoclonal antibody. Because the monoclonal antibody, uh, we're, we're thinking this is going to cut down on the number of hospital admissions. We're using a just outpatient right now, so that's a good thing. And uh, this is a man-made protein, man-made in that, we have uh, isolated it from uh, human plasma and people who have had the virus and have made antibodies to the virus, and we we just take out that one antibody, monoclonal, one cell line or one antibody line. And uh, there's a couple companies doing this. Uh, one's doing it by isolating it out of human plasma from people who have had the virus, what we call immune plasma or convalescent plasma. Convalescent means you're getting better. And then uh, another company is getting it out of uh, mice that they've genetically manipulated. And so we've got two companies out there, and I I don't know which one we've got. I think we have the one from the humans, and they're calling this, I believe, Bamlanivimab, and it's uh, directed, again, against the spike protein. So how do they isolate just one antibody out? Well, it's called gel electrophoresis. And uh, what we do, Ken, is we know that different antibodies and different proteins weigh a different amount, and they have different electrical charges, believe it or not. So it's kind of like some things are more magnetic than others. And so we put a small charge in this gelatin pool, or it's semi-solid, and we put the, the plasma at the bottom of it, and we put a little electrical charge at the top, and we know where this one stops, and we just cut that out and clean it up and purify it, and that's how you do it. Well, I'm not sure how you do it, but I'm glad you can do it, Doc. That's, that's... Just, just imagine a big sheet of jello, and a bunch of little proteins are working their way through it, depending on their electrical charge, because we've got... We've got a battery at the other end that's putting a charge on it, 
and attracting them. And some stop earlier than others because their electrical, electrical charge is weaker. And some go further. And we know right where it is, right in the middle of the jello pan, where the antibody is that we want and we want to purify. And we just take our little knife and, I mean, it's a little more, you know, technical than that. Yeah. <laughs> but we just slice it out. Excellent. And purify it. There's some very smart people out there. Well, thank you, Ken. Yes, that's right. Now, rest, rest your brain, Doc, while we take a commercial. What do you say? Huh? Commercial? Yeah. Oh, my God. You mean it's time for a coffee break already? It is, sir. All right. Okay. Well, I'm Dr. Bill. I'll be right back. And I'm at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Let's hear a little ahoy. Southern steel and shot. I wish they were three million instead of what we got. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. They are off. The first trucks carrying a COVID-19 vaccine for widespread use in the U.S. have pulled out of a Michigan manufacturing plant this morning. The states will have those shots within about 24 hours. Initial doses of the Pfizer vaccine will likely be limited to health care workers and residents of nursing homes. Police in Olympia, Washington, say one person is in custody following a shooting at a violent protest between two heavily armed groups near the Capitol building. It happened yesterday afternoon. The police department says the person who was shot was transported to a hospital by other civilians. Injuries are unknown. And Japan's daily coronavirus cases have exceeded 3,000 for the first time, while the government delays stricter measures for fear of hurting the economy ahead of the holiday shopping season there. This is SRN news. I am Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. 
St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. We've all heard it. Eat healthy. But what does eating healthy mean? Sure, there are countless diets out there, but they contradict each other. Yet all experts agree we should eat a diet rich in fruits and vegetables. Whole fruits and vegetables are the perfect fuel to power the cells in your body, giving you the stamina you need to handle your day-to-day activities. And that's what Balance of Nature is. Whole fruits and vegetables delivered to you in a convenient capsule form for only 22 cents a serving. Our proprietary blend has no additives or fillers, just the full nutritional value of 31 different fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature provides you with a natural energy boost without a caffeine crash, a 3 o'clock slump, or an early bedtime. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself by going to balanceofnature.com or by calling 1-800-246-8751 and use discount code Results. Take AM860 The Answer with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. To battle is to fight, to struggle, to overcome, and ultimately for the Marine Corps, it means to win. There is no alternative. It's not just a statement of intent. It's a promise to our nation, a promise kept for more than two centuries, a promise of the Marines. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Partly sunny for today with a high 77. Tonight, mostly cloudy and mild with a low 65. Tomorrow, partial sunshine with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm with a high 76. Tuesday, rather cloudy skies with a high of 74. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860. The answer. 300,000 Yankees is stiff in southern dust. We got 300,000 before they conquered us. They and I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, and there's White Axton uh, wishing that he got more than 300,000 in the Civil War. <laughs> he said he, what, he wished he'd gotten 3 million. Uh, before he said 300,000 Yankees laying in the dust before they conquered us. You know, so a lovely so singing voice there, Doc. Well, thank you. I'll work on it. So, did you hear the news just now? Two uh, heavily armed groups were duking it out. I think in Washington State or somewhere out there in the Northwest. Yeah, so I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't actually paying attention to what they were saying. Really? Okay, well. Yeah, so. Yes, give them, well, it's, you never know. It, it, it may not be that far off. Yeah. Keep your powder dry, boys and girls regardless of which side you're on. <laughs> so at any rate, I wanted to talk a little bit about the English Civil War because it it had so much influence on on the foundation of our country and who we are today. And of course people don't remember this, you know, they don't they don't pay attention to the English Civil War. I this was just occurred. gonna say what English Civil War? Sixteen forty two to sixteen fifty one. It was fought between the Royalist which was the crown and uh, uh, and the uh, parliamentarians, which were largely the Puritans under Cromwell. So uh, the royalists were also called, um, oh God, what were they called? The King Charles I and King Charles II were the uh, were the rulers during that time period. And Charles I, by the way, lost his head. And then the uh, the the Puritan Roundheads, the the 
the parliamentarians, they were led by Cromwell, Fairfax, and uh, Devereux. And it was not a, a, an extremely uh, high loss of lives. It was 50,000 on, on the, uh, on the royal, royalty side and 34,000 on the, uh, um, the, the parliamentarian side. 120,000 noncombatants uh, were killed. And of course, Ireland was devastated by, by Cromwell. The Irish once again got caught in the crossfire with the, uh, the English fighting the Scotch and fighting each other. And of course, Ireland was predominantly Catholic, as you know, Ken, and uh, the English were very anti-Catholic and anti-Papist at that time. There were laws uh, that were discriminatory against the Catholics. And so the Catholics had... Uh, purportedly thrown in with with King Charles uh, I and had sent money over to him because Parliament wouldn't give him money for his army and his wars. And you got to remember now, the Thirty Years' War was just ending in Europe, and the Thirty Years' War was also fought in part over religion and in part over uh, autonomy and freedom from Spain and, and uh, religion and money and power. And the Thirty Years' War was really devastating. I think 20 or 30 million people were killed. That was the largest kill in wartime up until the 20, 20th century uh, in the West. Now, in the East, in China, the Civil War in the 7th century A.D. Uh, killed 40 or 50 million people. Big kill. And that lasted for a decade or two. But at any rate, the English Civil War was, was a fascinating war. Uh, you would think that it was fought over money at... Uh, and it was to a certain degree, but not not because there was widespread poverty, but because uh, the Stuarts, who were the ruling family after Queen Elizabeth I died, um, they were in, and they were from Scotland. They were Scotch, and uh, they uh, were very religious, and they wanted to make sure that the country was one religion, and of course, that would have been high Anglo. Anglicanism, the Anglicans were the uh, group that broke away from the Catholic Church uh, and uh, started the Anglican Church, and in, in the United States they're called Episcopals. You might not know any Episcopals, but you probably know a few, Ken. I, I, we haven't talked about it if I do, so. Yeah. Uh, but they're, you know, they're kind of like watered-down Catholicism. You know, confession is, oh, have a cup of tea. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> oh, pardon me, vicar. I didn't mean to, you know, step on your toe. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, the, the the common folk, they wanted to go their own way and think their own thoughts, and they wanted to interpret the Bible the way they wanted to interpret it. And uh, the, the, the crown, the uh, stewards, they said, well, we really need one religion, and here's the prayer book, and that's it. And everybody has to go to church. And you can't go to anywhere but an Anglican church. Well, that didn't sit very well. So it's somewhat similar to what the Democrats are saying. We're all going to read from the same prayer book, which is, uh, what, uh, secularism? I'm not sure what it is. And uh, they don't want us to practice whatever religion we want. Uh, they don't want us to meet. And we're seeing court cases. We went over that last week. So there are some similarities here. And... Uh, there was also a fight over the money. How would the money be spent? And uh, 
Charles I said, well, I want the money so I can wage war in Europe. I want to help the French Huguenots, which was a little bit reassuring to Parliament because the Huguenots were non-Catholics that were being uh, assaulted by the Catholics. And so they thought, well, maybe he's you know not all bad. Maybe he's not in league with the Pope, and maybe he's not this mean old Anglican uh, uh, demon that's trying to make us all believe in his prayer book. And so there was fights back and forth. And what would happen is Parliament couldn't be called without the king calling it, but the king couldn't get money for taxation without Parliament. There were some old tax laws that were around from medieval times that he used to raise some money, but it wasn't enough. And so he tried to get some money from the uh, Catholic nobility in Ireland to help him. And uh, actually there was a, uh, a, a big battle going on between Scotland and England. And the Scotch actually, you remember William Wallace, you remember uh, Mel, Mel Gibson playing that role in what was it? Uh, Braveheart? Braveheart? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was about that time. And it was about the, uh, the, the uh, that might have been an earlier period, but it basically was the same thing that the Scotch and the English were at it. So you had a lot going on. It was, uh, the three kingdoms of uh, Ireland, Scotland, and England were, were at it, and uh, there was great turmoil, and it finally ended with uh, Charles I being beheaded by Parliament. He was the first and last English king who was publicly executed. Did you know that? That I did not know, no. Well, that'll teach him. No kidding. That's a good example. <laughs> and he... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after that, all the kings and queens of England were more willing to work with Parliament. I bet they were, yeah. <laughs> and the Parliament actually ended up with uh, Oliver Cromwell as uh, a de facto dictator. And because of that, the country was really upset. Uh, you know, they had gone from uh, a, a, a constitutional monarchy to a parliamentary dictatorship in 10, 10, 12, 15 years, and they didn't like either. But Parliament had extracted from the royalty certain concessions that the royalty could not, the king could not rule uh, absolutely, that Parliament had to have a say and have some charge over it. And it, it, it fundamentally altered uh, the world and the way democracies developed. Now, of course, in Europe, democracies developed from constitutional monarchies or parliamentary monarchies. But in the United States, it developed uh, as a very nascent and, and brand new idea, which had been bandied around about by people like Locke and Human Montesquieu and other thinkers uh, at that time. And remember, our own Revolutionary War was just, what, 110, 120 years after the English Civil War ended. So it had a profound effect on the founding fathers and on the way that they viewed how we should be set up as a government. They wanted to take the next step, obviously. Yeah, and they wanted to ensure that there would be religious freedom and that we would not be fighting over things like uh, uh, whether or not we should read out of the same prayer book and uh, whether or not we should all be practicing Anglicanism or Catholicism or uh, baptism or what, you know, whatever Protestantism or whatever. And so I think it's important that we stop and think about that. And I think we have to consider secularism as uh, a, a, 
form of religion and in, in, in that it is a philosophy that has as its uh, moral value the uh, the power of the people and the equitable distribution of wealth, you know, all the things that, that Karl Marx preached. But don't work, as we as we know. No. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that we, we shouldn't strive to, to give everybody the same opportunity and try and help people get to the same level. But that's different than taking from one and giving to another without any, any effort other than the government coming in with guns and saying, give us your money. And, uh, you know, that's what happened in, in the English Civil War. People stopped paying their taxes, and the Crown started um, persecuting those who didn't pay their taxes uh, because the Crown had levied some old-time taxes that didn't have to go through Parliament, and, uh, and then that got Parliament even more upset. So, you know, I think that we're, we're looking at a lot of the same elements now in our society that the English were dealing with in, in the uh, 1600s. Uh, you know, you've got all these uh, wars that have recently ended. You've got soldiers who are trained. And, um, you know, it's a loaded gun, so to speak. You've got uh, big battles over money and taxation. And you've got big battles over religious freedom and uh, freedom of expression. You know, why is it okay for... Uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, uh, Antifa to go out and, and openly voice their concerns and opinions, but not for the people on the right. And uh, th these are the questions that we're asking ourselves. And you may say, well, are these things really worth fighting over? Humans have fought over these things for eons, and they will continue to. Hopefully we can resolve this peacefully. I don't want to see us go to a civil war. But, you know, this all started with, uh, with Queen Elizabeth, and um, she shared more um, control with Parliament. And then after her death in 1603, the, uh, the Stuarts, her cousins, took over, James I. He was king of Scotland, and he was next in line, heir to the throne of England, because he was uh, Mary, Queen of Scots' son, and... So that gave him a right, and there was no one, because you remember Elizabeth was, she was the virgin queen. Remember that? Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen the show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and the reason they called her the virgin queen is because she refused to marry, and she never had any children. Now, I don't know if she was a virgin or not. I didn't really get that close to her in those days. But at uh, <laughs> uh, any rate, James I still believed in the divine right of kings and monarchs. And people were changing, you know, people were saying, you know, why would God give this guy some divine right and not the rest of us? You know, if God's this great, equitable, loves everybody and treats everybody the same, how come he gets the power and we don't? So you can see how the conflicts began and uh, continued on. And and so uh, James I begot, uh, or I'm uh, sorry, Charles I begot James I, James I got into it with Parliament, started the Civil War over money, over religious uh, beliefs, over who should be in control. And, uh, and then he lost his head for that. And James II came in, and James II was run out, and the, the, uh, the Puritans took over parliamentary rule, and uh, Cromwell was basically the dictator. And then when he died, his son came in for a year, but was a weak uh, leader, and he ended up not unlike 
the one that we're seeing going into the White House now. I mean, you know, history repeats itself. So he was a weak leader, and uh, and Parliament said, wait a minute, and elections came up, and everybody was sick of war. They were tired of fighting over religion. They were tired of fighting over who was in control. Uh, the people wanted more control. So you see the beginning of a more uh, plurality in society. Uh, more people were allowed to vote, men, at that time. Uh, Initially, only the landed gentry could vote, and then it started working its way down to anybody who, and, and they, this was really true, Ken. If you had a fireplace big enough to put a pot, a pot, a cauldron in and cook, then you could vote. <laughs> really? <laughs> you were considered wealthy enough to have uh, enough sense to vote. No and, of course, it worked its way down, and eventually all the, all the male uh, citizens were allowed to vote for parliament for for the House Commons, the House of Lords remained uh, appointed uh, more or less, kind of like our Senate is from two from every state. You know, every certain little bureau, district, uh, earldom, kingdom, fiefdom would be able to appoint somebody to the House of Lords. So this is how these things uh, developed. And uh, you know, you think, well, why do we have a bicameral House? Why do we have an upper or lower House in our Congress? Well, it's in part because of the way Parliament was set up. So James I, uh, he wanted to stay involved in the wars in Europe, and the Puritans were more concerned about what was going on at home. And uh, they didn't want to be part of the Church of England. They wanted to practice Protestantism. They saw Anglicanism as, uh, like I see it, as watered-down Catholicism. And, you know, in 1605, this was about 30 35 years before the English Civil War. You remember Guy Fawkes? Mm, doesn't ring a bell with me, no. Okay, let me let me put it like this. Do you, you remember the mask that everybody wears with the uh, with the big mustache on it and the big grin on it? You know yeah. those masks that yeah. they wear? Out? That's yeah. Guy Fawkes. Oh, okay. Okay, Guy Fawkes made it into the history books because in 1605, with the help of Spain, he started the gunpowder plot. And what they did is he and his Confederates, they actually dug all the way underneath Parliament, under Parliament building, and they had thousands and thousands of, of pounds of gunpowder that they smuggled in under underneath the Parliament building. And they were going to blow up Parliament and the king, and then supposedly Spain was going to come in and take over and turn the country back into a Catholic country, turn England back into a Catholic country. And that's the gunpowder plot. And Guy Fawkes Day is still celebrated in England because they discovered the plot and Guy Fawkes and his Confederates were uh, were arrested, tried, and uh, executed, probably hung. Hanging was considered uh, a lower form of execution than beheading. Did you know that? Um, I did not, but it kind of makes sense. Beheading is pretty quick. Painless, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah, it's painless. And, you know... Uh, uh, and and beheadings generally were done in private um, because they were for the royalty and the upper class. So if you were hung, you were hung in public. And so there was also some shame associated with it. So at any rate, Guy Fawkes had stirred things up. And, you know, there was a lot of anti-Catholic sentiment that had been uh, simmered down by Elizabeth, but then flared back up right after she died because of this plot. More wars have been fought over religion, I think, than anything else, probably. 
uh, ideology, yeah. I think, and especially in the West. And I think that uh, uh, freedoms, too, you know, the, the freedom to participate or to feel like you're participating. Uh, by the way, what if there is no conspiracy and our government really is that stupid, Ken? <laughs> That's that's worrisome, <laughs> uh, and you know, and I, th I think that we have to stop and 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 uh, uh, take account and take our our inventory, as the AA people say, as to what we have and who we are and where we're going, and uh, you know, what is important to us, what is important to us. I mean, if watching TV and and eating junk food and uh, you know drinking beer is important, then there's no reason really to revolt, because everybody can do that. You know, but uh, if if there are some basic principles that people want to live by, and there are a lot of people that will still want to go to church, Ken, they want to go to their church, they want to practice their brand of religion. You know, the the Protestant movement is still alive and well, and they don't want to be told what to do by Rome. They don't want to be told what to do by Washington, D.C. They don't want to be told what to do by the Sacramento State House in California. You know what I mean? I yeah, mean, I do. Absolutely. That's... And, and it, it, I don't, I'm not saying whether that's good or bad. That's just what, that's the way it is. And they want to uh, be able to practice what they want to uh, believe in as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. That's kind of the premise of the whole country, I thought. Yeah, and I, and I think that uh, that we're going to have to recognize that and, and realize that that is a big part of this. Uh, and I don't think that the that the people on the left really fully understand. I don't think that there's that much depth of thought other than that they think that they associate everything that happened bad in the past with religion and with uh, conservative beliefs. And that's not true. You know, that's just not true. Uh, there were plenty of... Uh, very spiritually oriented people who were uh, abolitionists, and uh, there were plenty of spiritually, uh, you know, strong belief people that were uh, Southern soldiers and leaders. You know, uh, Stonewall Jackson was an extremely religious man, and he thought God was on his side. He, th he thought that he was invincible because God was with him, and so he would stand up and battle during the Civil War. Unfortunately, one of his own men shot him by accident. Well, that'll but happen, you know. That happens from time to <laughs> That's time. Right. He didn't know the password coming back to camp. <laughs> you know, Ken, making good people helpless won't make bad people harmless. That's the problem. This is a problem. That's right, exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. And so the Puritans and the, you know, the, 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 the roundheads and the, the royalty, uh, they got into this big fight. And we've got a lot of the same elements today. We've got a lot of the same elements today. It's, it's worrisome. It's worrisome. The roots of civil wars are not necessarily economic. They're, they're ideological a lot of times, as you pointed out. What do you do? What do you do? Well, we're still working on the toenail fungus study, so if anybody wants to join... Uh, come on in, get a mug, get free toenail gel, simple three visits, 384-6411, 384-6411. And we still got uh, room in the practice. You know, the Canadians aren't coming down, so we got plenty of room to see patients and do telemedicine. I did telemedicine with Barb's son uh, yesterday, by the way, Ken. 
Again, that's 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. And I really appreciate you guys being with me today. And um, any feedback is always welcome. Catch me on Facebook. Check out my website. It's not up to date, but at least you can see a little bit about me and catch the old shows. Ken, I want you to have a good weekend, and I'll make sure you get up there and get a, a vaccine before some of your compadres do.